This is the weekly message from Hope Church Malmesbury. We're so glad you can join us. This week's sermon is part of our series, The Promise and the Purpose. We're walking slowly through the Gospel of Luke, verse by verse, promise by promise. Find out more about Hope Church and how to support our ministry at www.thehope.church. I hope this message will help you to see the good purpose that God has for your life and help you to walk in faith and rely on his promises every day. Here's the message. Santa's favourite hymn, Oh Ho Ho Holy Night. Well, apparently according to reports this week, the nation's Christmas cracker makers are getting very topical this year. Here's a sneak peek at a couple of my favourites. Why is it that people are cutting back on Brussels sprouts this year? because the cost of gas is too high. Funny, I don't get, actually, let's just be honest, I don't get why we're still seeing all of these sprouts in the shops. I thought 51% of us voted against Brussels. Too soon? Too soon? Maybe not. So, um, did you hear that Rudolph is self-isolating at the moment? Yeah, he failed his lateral glow test. And finally, this one's just for Sue. Why did Emma Raducanu get asked to carry all the crystal glasses to the Christmas party? Because you know you can trust her never to drop a set. So if that's got you almost in a Christmassy mood, um, let's start with today's Christmassy video, which is sort of about Joseph. Take it away, Jane. old friend let's put some hinges on you she has been on my case for a week now about you you know that don't you oh yes what would we do without her huh Mm. Mary and to think when it comes to Mary I was asking a totally different question just a little while ago what was I going to do with her I was just trying to understand everything, but what was there to understand? I mean, she was pregnant. She'd say over and over and over to me again, it's not what it seems. But I knew it didn't matter. It was just a matter of time before the whole community would start to question things. I started questioning who she'd been with. All my friends thought I'd been duped. Looks, the glares around town, the rumors, so many rumors, and it was all justifiable, every bit of it, because who is going to believe the story that we had to tell? An angel. Oh, ah. sit on the floor away from windows away from looks and I would just say Mary tell me again word for word tell me what the angel said 
she would say the exact same thing every time. It was as if it was just seared into her. For he will be called Son of the Most High God. That's what the angel said. <laughs> An angel. You'd think these calluses wouldn't grab a splinter after all these years. But sometimes the right one manages uh, ah, to get through. Hmm. Guess it's like that dream I had. Would every bone God built me with, doubted Mary? God sent an angel to me to get through. to do what you do best. Now you have two jobs, all right? Keep people out or let people in. Hmm. I guess that's it. When God stands at the door and knocks, we either keep him out or we let him in. These are the only two options. It took everything, everything to let you in. But there is not a day that goes by that I am not grateful for opening that door. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we pray that uh, you would speak through me this morning by the power of your Holy Spirit, that you would touch those parts of our lives that need touching, that you would set us free, Lord God, from those things that bind us and hold us back. Lord God, I pray that uh, our hearts would be teachable and our ears would be open. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You know, there is frost in the air. There could be snow in some of those clouds. I mean, what a perfect time for a wedding. You know, all the best people get married when it's cold. Uh, Debbie and Ian got married in October. Uh, Lydia and I got married in October. Tomo and Sarah got married in October. Anyone else get married in October? Claire and uh, Gina got married in October? We got married in May. You got married <laughs> in May. Anyone get married in November? Any Novembers? Richard got married in November? Yeah. Heidi and Alistair. How about Decembers? Any Decembers? Oh, December. Iris, December. Yeah. Um, obviously, Esther's getting married in December. Richard and Tracy are not here today because they're off celebrating their wedding anniversary as well. How's that Father of the Bride speech coming along, Dave? Not long now. <laughs> you know, there are a lot of unusual traditions associated with weddings from around the world. I mean, just be grateful that none of us got married in Borneo. 
Because if he got married in that Indonesian country, okay, tradition requires that after the wedding ceremony, the bride and groom spend the first three days of marriage locked in their house together. And during that time, they are not allowed to go to the toilet. Apparently, it's supposed to strengthen their bonds. Sure, it's going to strengthen something. <laughs> Mind you, I suspect those people in Indonesia are, ma- are grateful that they never got married in France. Well, because it sounds great to eat chocolate and drink champagne, but in some parts of France, apparently, you do that at the wedding reception from a toilet bowl. China is a huge country. They've got lots of scope for lots of different traditions to develop. Here's an interesting one. In some parts of China, the prospective groom shoots his bride with three arrows before the wedding ceremony. Whereas in another part of China, the waterworks really get sweet. I mean, just listen to this, guys. I mean, you just wouldn't get married, okay? The brides of the Tijua people in China, okay, they take the whole idea of tears of joy to another level. One month before the wedding, the bride starts to cry for an hour every day. Ten days into these waterworks, her mother joins in. Ten days after that, grandma does the same. By the end of the month, every female in the extended family is coming to the house to have a cry alongside the bride. Whereas in Wales, blokes whittle a spoon. In Germany, they smash plates. And in Scotland, the bride and the groom get stuck in the back of a truck, covered in all kinds of gook and driven through the town. Yeah, you got away with that one, Heidi. And in South Korea, the groom gets the bottom of his feet beaten with dried fish. I mean, why? Why am I wasting your time by telling you all of this? Because wedding traditions form the backdrop to understanding part of today's story. As we look at Joseph and his part in the Christmas narrative, Mary and Joseph were engaged, but this was very different in their season than it is in our modern times. An engagement in those days was a binding contract arranged by your parents, and it lasted a whole year. But during that year, the man and the woman never lived together. They stayed at home living with their parents. In this society that was so heavily controlled by ideas of shame and honour, this was the way to prove that the young woman was pure. And there were no babies on the way. And in fact, waiting that whole year was the way of proving, you know, nine months, no babies, okay, we can get married. But it was during this one year of waiting that Mary was found to be with child. And in the normal course of events, this would have been taken as proof that Mary had been unfaithful to Joseph, the marriage at a minimum would have been annulled, and at worst, the woman would have been dragged to the village elders and potentially even sentenced to death. So with all of this in mind of how it was in those days, we read the story of Joseph and Matthew's gospel this morning. Matthew 1 verse 18 goes like this. This is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph. 
But before the marriage took place, at the end of that year, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man, and he did not want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break off the engagement quietly. As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit, and she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And all of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. When Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him, and he took Mary as his wife. But he did not have sexual relations with her until her son was born, and Joseph named him Jesus. You know, Matthew is remarkably succinct in his story. We get none of the, the personal dramas that I'm sure would have gone on. We don't know how it was that Mary was found to be with child. It makes it sound like something you just trip over. To, oh, having a baby. I mean, did her mum look at her one day and say, Honey, your bum looks big in that. Is there something we need to talk about? I mean, Mary, I'm, I'm guessing, I don't know, being a bloke, you know, chromosomes and all, but I'm guessing that Mary would have noted some change in her monthly cycle and going, ooh, what's going on here? Maybe those waves of hormones coursing through her body gave Joseph some cause for concern. Who are you? And where's Mary gone? Either way, at some point, Mary told Joseph that she was pregnant. And along with it, this amazing story that God did it. And Joey's all kind of, did he? Did he really? See, Joseph didn't believe her at first, which must have hurt Mary. Joe did not believe this story of angels and messiahs. And so the Bible says he had decided to divorce her quietly. But then, but then, just as Mary and Joseph's world is falling apart, all the plans they thought they had for their lives were coming to nothing. But then, an angel appears to Joseph in a dream and says, Hey, Joe, it's all true. Listen up and step up, boy. Sorry, that's the Mark translation, but that's pretty much what the angel said. What the angel said was, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit, and she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And all of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet. So there are three important things I want us to notice this morning about what the angel said and how Matthew explains it. First of all, the angel points out who Joe is. He said, Joseph, you're a son of David. Secondly, the, jo the job that the angel gives to Joe, he says, you're going to name this child Jesus. And thirdly, why is this all happening? 
in order to fulfill what the Lord had said through his prophets. Yes, three things. Who Joe is, what Joe must do, and why he must do it. So identity, responsibility, and purpose. And when these, in these three things, identity, responsibility, and purpose, we actually find the answer to many of the questions and the challenges that we face in life every day. Because when you know who you are, when you know your identity, when you are clear about the responsibility that you have, you know, what is the job you're supposed to be doing? And what is the purpose, you know, the big why that sits behind it? Who are you? What do you have to do? Why do you have to do it? Therein lies the answer to most of the questions that we have in life. Joseph, son of David, you're a member of the tribe that the prophets foretold would produce the Messiah. That is who you are. God knows who you are. He has positioned you here on purpose with a purpose. And Joseph, you are to name this child Jesus. You know, the naming of the child is the responsibility of the father in the Hebrew culture. So in taking the responsibility of naming the child, Joseph is taking on the responsibility of parenting the baby. He's saying, I will be this baby's earthly father. Raise him as my own with all that that brings with it. And Joseph, all of this is happening to fulfill the words of Isaiah. That's why it's happening. This is God's good plan. He will save his people from their sins. The why, the why, Joe, is found in Scripture. The why is always found in Scripture. And Joe, he wakes up from his dream and he says, okay then. And he does what he was told. If only we could all do that. Life would be so much simpler to wake up. Okay then, God, and do what you were told. Now, we, we may never get an angel turn, turning up, whether either in person or, or in a dream. But God does speak to his children. And when we're trying to make sense of a situation or facing a choice, there are these three things that bring clarity when we apply them to the situation. You know, I, I mean, I guarantee this. All your money back. First, remember or rediscover who you are. You are a beloved child of God. You're positioned on purpose and with a purpose. Secondly, consider your responsibility. In my experience, most of the time, God, he gives us some responsibility to make something happen, but rarely does he micromanage the how. And you know what? And that's where all the fun is. Having to work stuff out is normal. God created us in his image. Yeah, we are creative beings. He wants us to express that. Thirdly, keep the main thing the main thing. Remember why you are doing something. And if you're ever losing sight of the why, like Joe, like Joe you'll find that the answer always lies in Scripture. I mean, poor old Joseph, he only had half the Bible to refer to. He only had the Old Testament. Yeah, we've got the New Testament as well. Life should be twice as easy for us. The answer to the why is always found in the Bible. So the question for you this morning, child of God, what are you responsible for? 
in this season of your life. This is your reminder to make like Joseph, to get up, say, okay, and obey. Simple as that. Well, it's easy to say it's simple, but that doesn't mean it's going to be quick or easy. Now, Joseph, he developed this habit of encountering angels in his dreams, and they were forever telling him what to do. You know, I reckon some of us are thinking, I must be married to an angel. Always telling me what to do. Anyway, the angel said to Joe, stay, take, go, return, go again. First of all, he says, Joe, stay with Mary. Take the child Jesus as your own son with all the responsibilities of fatherhood. Then go, go to Egypt, just kind of skipping ahead, two years after the wise men came to visit Herod and Herod decided to try and kill this toddler king of the Jews. So Joe has to go, go to Egypt. He has to leave his carpentry business behind. Take his young son and wife and go and live as refugees in Egypt. I mean, what were they thinking? God, you're just you're reversing. We've left Egypt already. I've got the Old Testament. I know how it works. We're not supposed to be going back to Egypt. But in Matthew chapter 2, it says, it's that night Joseph left for Egypt with the child of Mary's mother. And they stayed there until Herod's death. And this fulfilled what the Lord had spoken to the prophets. I called my son out of Egypt. Now, there are a lot of parallels between the story of Israel, the nation, who is poetically spoken of as God's son in the Old Testament, and Jesus, who is God's son. Both were in Egypt, and then both were called out into the land that is Israel. Out of Egypt I called my son. Poor old Joe, he's just paying attention. He has to stay, he has to take, he has to go, he has to return. And then when Joe and Mary finally return to Israel, they discover that Herod's son is even worse than his father. And so the angel guides Joe one more time. And he takes his family and he goes and he builds a life in some random town called Nazareth. And he builds a life with Mary as a family and brothers and sisters are added to the fold. You know, Joe took his responsibility seriously. He raised Jesus well. I mean, Joe is well known in the city. When Jesus starts his ministry and he returns to Nazareth, what do people call him? Oh, you're Joe the carpenter's son. Joe was more famous in Nazareth than Jesus was. And consider this. When Jesus is able to quote those scriptures during his temptation in the wilderness, who first spoke those scriptures to him as a child? Who taught Jesus to read and understand the Psalms? You know, when Joe's other son, James, he's writing a letter that would find its way into our New Testament. James writes these words. He says, pure and genuine religion in the sight of God means caring for orphans and widows in their distress and refusing to let the world corrupt you. I suspect that as James wrote that, he was thinking of his father, Joe, who had that practical living faith that cares for another one's child as if they were your own. Joseph was a measured and considered man, it would appear. Well, measure twice, cut once. That's how carpenters do it, isn't it? When he learned that Mary was having a baby, he didn't fly off the handle in a rage. He didn't divorce her on the spot. The Bible says that Joe was 
considering these things. He took his time to think stuff through and then decide. But then, when it was time to act, when he was nudged by the angel, what did he do? He obeyed immediately. The Bible says he woke from his sleep and he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. Just like that. And I think this is great advice for life. Decide slowly, act quickly once you made a decision. I mean, it was like that when Lydia and I were considering whether God was indeed calling us to plant Hope Church eight years ago. We thought about it and we prayed about it for a couple of months, but then once the decision was made clear by God, we hit the ground running and we acted as quickly as we could. Decide slowly, act quickly. And Joseph did all that he could to obey the Lord's commands. The Bible says at that point he cut short that traditional one-year-long engagement. He took Mary into his home immediately at that point and he assumed all the roles and responsibilities of caring for her as her husband, with one exception. They didn't consummate the marriage until after Jesus had been born. Now the angel never told him to do that. And I don't know whether Joe was perhaps a little bit in awe and intimidated by his wife or, or what she carried. Or maybe he was wise enough to know that there should be no doubt ever cast on the source of Mary's pregnancy. Probably a bit of all of those. But he decided slowly, then he acted completely and quickly once the decision was made. Now, there's been some, some things that we've been considering for a little while here as the pastor and the elders at Hope Church. Now, what is it the future needs to look like for Hope Church? You know, what do we do? Where do we do it? How do we do it? Our responsibility and our calling to restore, equip, and disciple people, introducing them to the life in all its fullness that Jesus said he came to give us. Then we have to kind of work out the details to sit within it. That's how God does it. So at, a, at our elders meeting last week, Lydia shared something that she'd become increasingly convinced of over a couple of weeks. At which point, Sue immediately chimed in and said, I've been thinking the same thing for several months. So as we look to the new year, God is saying, you know, see this season not as a, an attempt to return to the normal that you knew, but actually see it like you're planting a new church. Hope 2.0. It's a complete reboot. It's a starting over. I mean, if you think about it, after a two-year hiatus, it's like we planted a new church in August, isn't it? And we're building things up from there. And actually, if we look at what's been going on, what God has been doing through us, we've made really good progress. Yeah, we started meeting regularly on Sunday mornings. We've got some wonderful worship from Michelle and, and Frank and the team. And we've been gradually adding back in those kind of key ingredients of a functional, vibrant part of the body of Christ. Yeah, corporate prayer meetings happen once a week now on a Sunday morning at 10 o'clock before the main service. We've got a chance for fellowship uh, and refreshment time at the end of the, the service as Claire and her team have started returning that. We've already got one center group, one Bible study group that's been up and running for a couple of months that meets online. And in January, we're launching two more in-person groups, God willing. Our community pantomime, Goldilocks 
and the three bears. Tickets started being grabbed five minutes after it went live on the internet, before we'd even told anyone. Before we did any advertising at all, half the tickets had gone to people that we don't know. In fact, two-thirds of all the tickets had gone to people that we don't know. All pretty good going, I think, for a church that was planted in August. All glory to God. Jesus is building his church. But there's one more thing that God has told us to change because it's going to play into his plans for next year. And while we've been chewing it over for some time and people are thinking, I think God has been saying this for weeks and months. For the spiritual leadership team, it certainly seemed good to us and to the Holy Spirit to make the decision at the last elders meeting. And having made the decision, we need to make like Joseph and act quickly. So from Sunday the 9th of January, the new permanent home for Hope Church will be in Malmesbury Town Hall. We're going to be moving out of this school that we've called home for the last eight years, into the centre of town, into the centre of the community. And you're hearing it here first. We can't wait to see what God is going to do next in and through Hope Church. But for now, let's return to today's passage. And the heart of what the angel said to Joe, the big why that sat behind it all and all that we do here at Hope Church, the angel said, all of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophets. Look, the virgin will conceive a son. She will give birth to a son. They will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. Why? Because he's going to save his people from their sins. You know, it's all about, it's all about Jesus. The baby who would grow to be the man who dies upon a cross is buried and three days later restored to life, conquering death and the grave, paying the price for every evil, horrible, spiteful, negligent thing that we do to each other on purpose and by accident. In other words, to save us from our sins. Revealing a God who is not far away, but close at hand. A God who is with us, who has walked with us on this ball of dirt, who has been cold, who has been hungry, who has been bullied, who has been insulted. And I, I never realised this before. But, you know, there was even one time when Jesus was debating with the Pharisees and they said to him, yeah, well, at least we weren't born out of wedlock. Maybe the rumours and the scandal of his birth followed him around into adult life. We don't know. But in the video this morning, Joe said that when God knocks on your door, there are only two choices. You let him in, or you try to keep him out. But listen to the words of Jesus from the book of Revelation. He says, look, I stand at the door. I am knocking. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in and we will share a meal together as friends. You know, there is never a better day than today than to open that door of your life wide to Jesus. Today is also the day to open the door to that area of your life that perhaps you've not let Jesus into yet fully. You might have been coming to church for years. You might be a Christian already, a believer and a follower of Jesus. But perhaps there's something that you've not yet 
yielded completely to his lordship. Today is your day to put that right. Pray with me, church. Lord Jesus, you said that you are standing at the door and you are knocking right now. So I invite you, Lord, to come in as my friend and my Lord. Those areas of my life which I have not offered to you before, today and right now, I give them to you, saying, be Lord of my whole life, every area, every aspect. I want to know who I am in you. I want to accept the responsibilities you give to me. I want to pick them up and to be clearest to the why, so help me to understand the Bible every day when I pick it up and read it. I want to go where you say go, to stay when you say stay, and to recognise your voice when you speak to me. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. And all God's people said, Amen, amen. Now, quick reminder, next Saturday is the Hope Church Pants in the Town Hall. There are a few tickets available for the 6.30 show. The 3 o'clock one is sold out. Uh, next Sunday at 4 o'clock in the afternoon, there's an outdoor carol service at Malmesbury Abbey. It's the traditional nine lessons and carols, which tells the story of Christmas. So this is all the churches in the town are getting together. It's going to be outdoors, so we can have a good old sing-song and worship Jesus to be a witness into the town. So that's four o'clock next Sunday evening. Now on your way out, there's some hot drinks that uh, Claire and the team prepared for you. There's also some banana bread that Heidi has made and some mince pies, cake and coffee. Hope church is back, baby. So feel free to grab some on your way out and catch up with each other. Be good, be happy, be holy. We'll see you next week. Bye for now.